0: you might actually be the most derivative one of all i mean christ the same house maybe so but you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie never answer the- i'm bored wait And welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking, she's in Egypt right now because she's so far in denial. We're talking, well, you've been hiding, I've been kicking some ass. And we're talking, certain death is so
1: much fun. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And we're talking, it's not zombies, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how do you say that when you're confronted with this much evidence with this much evidence everyone um happy holidays we are discussing the zombie com the rom-zom-com musical Anna uh, and the apocalypse
0: <laughs> i don't know if i would call this a rom to be honest like there's definitely romantic elements in this but this is a dour little christmas movie
1: i'd forgotten how frankly depressing some of this stuff is that's the thing right the last 30 minutes of this movie when people start actually dying like people we care about start dying it's kind of like oh i mean like there is a pair of deaths in this movie that i'm just like oh those poor people didn't deserve that
0: (laughs) for sure for sure yeah and the thing that struck me the most on this rewatch was they telegraph that this is not going to turn out well for 90
1: percent of the characters in the catchiest musical number of the film trace yes absolutely but i mean like i think that's what i like so much about this film though because a not only is it an original musical which i think is Mm -hmm. a hard enough sell in and of itself Right, the hit to miss ratio of songs for me is actually pretty good. I think there's only like two songs that, when I'm listening to the soundtrack, I just skip them because I'm like, eh, whatever.
0: Oh, oh, I forget. Of course, you would be a person who listens to the soundtrack independently. Of
1: course, I am. I mean, like, it's it's not like one of my favorite musicals of all time, but like mm-hmm. I do really like this movie. Um, sure. And I, I, well, I think the songs are a bit front loaded in terms of the good ones. Yeah, I I still really like the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky thing, right? I mean, let's talk about musicals and let's talk about soundtracks, because I often have this issue when I go to musicals where I'm a first act person. And then when we Uh get to the second act after the intermission, because usually that's when shit is getting serious and we're really trying to tackle the big things. But I'm always like, but where are the earworms? I'm not as happy anymore.
1: Yeah, I'm actually kind of in the same boat. I, and that, that's just how a lot of musicals go, right? Even, yeah. even like, the fun and bubbly ones. Like, that, it will always get more serious in the second act because we had mm-hmm. dramatic stakes. Sure. Yeah, I think it, in terms of this one, which obviously doesn't have act breaks, but if it did, um, I don't mind where the story goes in the second act. But, yeah, I, again, I just do think that the songs are just a bit – yeah, as you said, there aren't as many earworms in that second half. And my biggest complaint always, always, the three or four times I've seen this movie <laughs> – I think Anna's big finale number, uh, right. give him a show or whatever, is fun, okay. but it doesn't have like that big crescendo belty moment that a no. number at that place in a musical should have.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Particularly for a climactic, big moment, right? Mm -hmm. You want something more for this character. But it's tricky because we haven't dealt with the problem yet by the time that song is happening. So we still have a villain to dispatch.
1: I was going to say, which problem are you talking about? The zombie one or the evil vice principal? (laughs) Uh,
0: I mean, you can make an argument that this film treads the well-worn tropes of zombie films where the zombies are not really the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, and we'll talk about this, you know, this is for being i don't have the budget for this i could not find the budget for this film mm-hmm. but for being what i assume is a relatively low budget affair right i think it has the scope and the scale of a zombie apocalypse movie except when it comes to that vice principal who just seems a little too mm-hmm. contained for the rest of the story yeah
0: he feels like low stakes villain i almost wish that we had nick's father you know the army captain the Mm -hmm. guy who sounds really mean and disparaging or something like that right this guy just gives me comedic foil and i get that that's part of the vibe of this movie right like even though we're talking about big stakes life and death dour ending At the end of the day, I think this film does want to be really uplifting and a bit of a holiday classic. And it's hard to have a really
1: serious villain in that capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I guess like even thinking about this movie, like when you're thinking of uh, zombie comedies from across the pond, what's the first one you think of? And it's Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, which this movie does pay homage to a couple Mm -hmm. times, not as much as I, I, I expected, which I think is for the best. Oh, agreed. Because as you said, it's already drawing
0: those comparisons. It's just going to feel like it's aping it or latching onto it if it does it too often.
1: Well, it's interesting. It wasn't even necessarily like the plot aspects that I was that was calling to mind Shaun of the Dead for me. It was in some of the editing. You know, we had that mm. rapid fire editing that uh, Edgar Wright likes to do. Right. That was present in like a handful of scenes here. But again, we didn't go overboard with it because I mean, if you do that, then it's going to be like, oh, it's aping Shaun of the Dead hmm that and a couple of sight
0: gags for sure for sure
1: definitely 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 but did you see this in its original festival run
0: so i did not i had to wait until this came to limited theaters and i did go to see it for the weekend it was playing here in toronto because i had heard so much about it during the festival run and i liked it but i was a victim of the hype so i think this is a good movie but i don't love it in quite the same way that a lot of other people do
1: yeah. Um. So I I really liked this. I did catch this uh, at its festival premiere at Fantastic Fest way back in 2017, and I reviewed it for Bloody. I gave it a four out of five. Okay. It took over a year for this movie to come out. So you know, mm-hmm. premieres in September of 2017, gets that limited release in November of 2018. Yep. When I saw it again. It was kind of funny. It was after a year and a half of hyping myself up, of being like, oh, my God, like, I love that movie so much at the festival. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My opinion softened on it when I saw it in theaters again. I was like, oh, it's very cute. I think it's very solid, but it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't as good as I remembered it being. And funnily enough, though, rewatching it for this podcast, my opinion increased on it again to where I felt more the same way I did when I first saw it.
0: You know what? Sometimes you just need a little bit of distance.
1: Maybe so. But you know what? That's an excellent segue into my production because, uh, <laughs> because I learned something I did not know. Um, everyone, there are three versions of this film available out there. Yeah. Most of my production history, by the way, it's coming from two different sources. Um, we've got an article in the New York Times by John Anderson. And this is um, After a Director Dies, Friends Finish His Life's Work, a zombie musical. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a very it's a very wordy headline. But yes, it's it's factual.
0: <laughs> no, I meant, oh, the heaviness, because I always forget that this is one of those cases where, you know, I don't think this movie did humongous box office. I mean, you're going to tell me in a couple yeah. of minutes, but it's always sad when a creative doesn't live to see the fruits of their labor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I will have a lot to say about that as well. Okay. The, the other piece being um, an entertainment weekly piece with Clark Collis called The Tragic Triumphant Story Behind the Zombie Musical and the Apocalypse. So before mm. going deep into the production, everyone, yes, there are three versions of this film available out there. And it seems like if you're going to stream this, most of you will have the 93-minute U.S. or theatrical cut of this film. Okay. There is another cut um, that is the UK slash international cut that is 98 minutes long. So this is simple, you know, one version played in North America, the other version played everywhere else. Mm-hmm. But then we have mm-hmm. the festival slash director's cut, which is 108 minutes long. Ooh. So we got, yeah, okay. 93, 98, 108. It's um a big difference in that last jump <laughs> a big difference and so here's the thing so i learned i had seen the original, of the longest uh festival cut at fantastic fest saw the 15 minutes shorter version in theaters a year and a half later <laughs> right and then today i this week i had watched the director's cut because everyone here's the other weird thing so the version that is streaming on shutter is listed on the page as 97 minutes long which would make it that uk slash international cut uh mm-hmm. But when you hit play on the movie, the runtime is 108 minutes, which makes it the festival or director's cut.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah. So here in Canada, you can watch it on Shutter or you can watch it on Prime. Mm -hmm. I watch it on Prime and it is that shorter cut because then you were like, hey, did you get this? And I responded with a resounding no i had no fucking idea what you were talking about
1: yeah i mean that's the thing i was like okay like i going to see how long it was oh 97 minutes that's not too long and then i press play and i was like why is this all of a sudden 108 minutes long <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a substantial increase <laughs> there was a blu-ray that second sight put out in 2019 that included both the uk cut and the director's cut um uh-huh. but not the not the us cut so from what i can tell um we'll go over some of the major editions again it's not a ton of stuff despite it being 15 minutes longer Um, yeah but there was an entire song cut out of that uh u.s cut yes yeah so anyway okay so the way this gets started um in 2009 a scottish film student named ryan McHenry went to his close friend nason Ale carew with a question would you like to write a zombie musical And the answer is always yes. Yeah, obviously. No. So the basic inspiration for the question um, came from him watching High School Musical. And um, I mean, what, 2009? I think this is after High School Musical 3 had even come out. It'd been a while, yeah. But while he was watching it, he just goes, oh, wouldn't this be better if Zach Efron were eaten by zombies? And that's wow. how this, I know. <laughs> That's how this concept kind of came to fruition. But um, it resulted in a 2011 short film, Zombie Musical, which we will link to in the show notes, y'all. It's about uh, 17 minutes long. But the short was so well received that it even won a BAFTA, the British equivalent of the Oscars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Joe, we both watched this today.
0: <laughs> I was underwhelmed. I did not like it very much. It's
1: uh, Here's the thing. It has all the production value of a student film. Yeah. I think there's inspiration in it but is it the best short i've ever seen not exactly
0: I think that's where I'm coming from. You know, we've covered a lot of horror shorts on the show. Mm -hmm. And I think the big flashing kind of asterisk on your description was it's a student film. And that's not to disparage anybody. It's just, you know, these are people who are polishing their craft. So you're right. The short has a lot of ambition. It has a lot of gumption. It's got a lot of potential. But you can see the astronomical jump in quality when they have better film equipment, a bigger budget, professional actors and all
1: that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I I will say, I mean, and you know, I think there's three songs in the short, and the first one's very much the, like, you know, oh, Anna's walking down the row while the Mm -hmm. the apocalypse is happening. It is all done in a single take, which I appreciated. Sure. Yeah. It's... Again, big ambition. Yeah, big ambition. Um, But okay, I didn't know this, though. So two years after making the short film, McHenry made a series of Vine videos that went viral. And I don't know. Oh I don't God, know if you remember Vines. these. Ah! Well, okay, that's I, I never even used Vine. I did use TikTok. I didn't use Vine when it was a thing. But I do remember these things because he made a mm. series of videos called Ryan Gosling Won't Eat His Cereal, which yeah. it featured. It was basically... Ryan Gosling movies on a TV as McHenry would just slowly move a spoonful of corn pops closer to the screen Mm -hmm. and every time the spoon touched the TV Ryan Gosling in the movie would like turn away like he was furiously rejecting the cereal (laughs) yeah it's funny it's amusing very funny so this this went viral which again brought a lot more attention onto McHenry and I think I don't know if it really helped this film get off the ground but I think it might have made it a little bit easier which is the same thing as helped so never mind (laughs) It gave him a higher profile,
0: which undoubtedly helped him in some capacity.
1: Yes. um, But, okay, now this is where we're entering Act 2 of my production history. Okay. Unfortunately, McHenry received a diagnosis of osteosarcoma, a terminal bone cancer, in July of 2013. And he began undergoing chemotherapy treatments, which seemed to be going well for a while, to the point where he even tweeted in July of 2014 that he had beat cancer. Oh, no. I know. But around this time, though, once he's kind of in remission, um, he and L.A. Carter approached singer-songwriter Roddy Hart about writing songs for the feature-length version of Zombie Musical. Hart, in turn, reached out to Scottish singer-songwriter Tommy Riley to see if he wanted to collaborate, and they both read the script, they loved it, they started writing songs for it, and at this point, McHenry is still involved in what's going Mm -hmm. on. Tragically, though, his cancer returned, and he passed away in May of 2015. So they'd been, you know, not in pre-production, because I don't think they actually started, like, like doing it yet, but, like, at least in terms of getting everything in order. They were on their way, and then, yes, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, this man passed. Right. So then the project became about finishing the film that he wanted to make, even though he wouldn't be in the director's chair himself. And, um... Ale Karu did say, though, that he asked him what he wanted to do before he died. You know, like, On the off chance that you won't be able to make this film, like, do you want this to get made? And his answer was a resounding yes. So the, the, the film was basically a tribute to this man who, I mean, without him, this film wouldn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. So... While Hart and Riley returned to working on the film's songs, the project's producers started the search for a new director, finally landing on John McPhail, who had recently filmed his first movie, the romantic comedy Where Do We Go From Here? It's a romantic comedy set in a nursing home. Uh Mm -hmm. He hasn't done a ton of feature work, although he did release this year's Dear David with Augustus Prue, which I have not seen yet. Right. That one is queer because of Augustus Prue, mm-hmm. based
0: on a Twitter urban legend thread. It uh, was not well received, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you if you'd seen it because I hadn't heard very good things about it.
0: No, I was interested, and I even considered us covering it as a microqueers, and then I saw the
1: response and I just thought, oh, I don't know that we have time for that. I no, it's y'all peek behind the curtain it's one of those things where it's like uh it, I, i'm afraid to hate it and then come on here and like trash it you know
0: mm-hmm. well yeah because we want to uplift films that deserve a bigger audience but we don't necessarily want to punch down exactly uh even though we may have in
1: the past before who can say <laughs> <laughs> covering our asses, covering our asses. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, they brought on Macphail and he went on a musical binge, watching musicals like West Side Story, Moulin Rouge, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Rent, Cabaret, Wicked, even Legally Blonde. Um, no high school musical in there. Well, so, <laughs> funny, funny, <laughs> fun fact. He started high school musical and bailed after 10 minutes. Rude. He watched the first season of Glee and gave up after that. <laughs> oh my God. God, who is this person? Obviously not a queer. <laughs> I mean, well, the first season of Glee is the only really good season of that show. So I, I can I, can't, I can give him credit for that. But um, oh, one of his other big influences on this, though, was, funnily enough, the Buffy musical episode, Once hey. More With Feeling. Yep. And he is on record as saying that his favorite musical is actually the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Oh, my God. I do love that movie. I just rewatched it recently, um, a couple weeks ago, and it holds up. Mm-hmm. So when casting the film, McPhail picked Ella Hunt to play Anna. She hasn't, I mean, she's actually done quite a bit, but I think lately she's, um, she was on all three seasons of that Apple TV show Dickinson with Haley Steinfeld. Oh, okay. Okay. And also queer. She played her lover. Nice. All right. <laughs> but they also nabbed Royal Conservatory of Scotland student Malcolm Cumming to portray John Again, this guy hasn't really done anything besides this, but it's funny hearing him talk about it because they were about to begin what he called a Shakespeare module at his school, which I I have to assume that just means they were doing a Shakespeare section of the syllabus and that sure. they were going to do a play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he was going to do Shakespeare until he read the script for End the Apocalypse. And I, I think what I find funny about that is, I mean, I don't know how it works over there, but in my mind... I'm in acting school, I'm, you know, doing an acting gig, and I can Mm -hmm. either do a school play of Shakespeare, right, or go shoot a movie, right, that to me seems like an obvious answer. But maybe maybe it wasn't as black and white as that.
0: Yeah, I think it might depend on how you look at your craft, right? I mean, this is you're doing a low budget indie genre film versus something, you know, highfalutin like Shakespeare, but You'll probably also have the opportunity to do Shakespeare later. How often do you get to do, as you said, a
1: Rom musical? Rom Zom Coms Musical. I think you're right, though. I think there is less romance in here, even though John wants you to think there is. I mean, yes, obviously. <laughs> I did want to single out actor Sarah Swire, though, who plays Steph in the film. Um, I will argue, by the way, that uh, Swire has the best singing voice out of this entire group of people. Wow, okay. But they were also pulling double duty. They were the choreographer of this film.
0: Right. And also playing queer in the film and queer in real life. So yes. identifies as lesbian.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, the Stephanie, it's a thing where it's like, you know, the, that's the hazard of a 93 minute or a 98 minute or a 108 minute musical. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like she gets to the really short end of the stick when it comes to the subplot, you know, with her parents yes. being in Mexico, her being unwanted. But it's like more. I need, I need more from that. Yeah, I went into
0: this wanting to do a certain amount of research, and everyone is just very... I don't want to say surface level in their critique of the film but I did find a couple of queer reviews that say you know yeah we like stuff, but we really don't get to know much about her and I would argue that well this is definitely the kind of representation that I like to see where it's a uh, yep I'm queer it's not a big fucking deal nobody really cares about it except maybe Nick who is also a piece of shit but um, <laughs> It is frustrating that, you know, we mention a girlfriend, we don't even see a picture, we don't get a real conversation, we get to hear Steph's side of the conversation. So this to me is a good step, but I would have liked to have seen more, like you said.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I mean, uh, they they definitely did very well with the choreography, with what they were given.
0: Yeah, I read an interview with them and the production overall considered whether or not to have the zombies dance and they opted not to because they thought it would just look a little too ridiculous but they were very heavily modeling it off of the kind of dancing you would see in high school musical so it's not super elaborate but it is you know beyond your average production i would say
1: it's energetic and that's a a, a big issue that i have with um some especially modern movie musicals is that they really downplay the importance. importance of choreography Mm -hmm. i always go back to that first mamma mia movie which i think is very stupid fun but it's not a good movie and there's nary a a dance move in it i mean there is but like it's really not good so yeah while while this isn't like broadway level choreography um Mm -hmm. there's enough energy here to where i i I do find it captivating but i will say this is a direct quote from swire because it was an indie budget film, that means there was no time. It means right. that you don't always get a cast of professional actors, but you get a lot of really good movers. So you have to be smart in the way that you devise choreography so that anyone can learn it, depending on the time allotted, in almost under an hour. <laughs> so it was an right. interesting exercise in how you, can, you have to be crafty to pull all that off. You know what? That totally makes sense to me. It's like in the big number that Anna shares with John, I'm turning my life around. When the big apocalypse is happening, Mm -hmm. they're not really doing a lot of choreography. They're just dancing as kids would who were listening to their headphones while they're walking to school.
0: Exactly. It's more like a walking with character. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) that's what we're going to say. (laughs) so yeah the film was shot in scotland it had its world premiere at fantastic fest on september 22nd 2017 and was acquired for distribution in january of 2018 by orion pictures who then waited a whole fucking year to put it out they released it in limited release on november 13th 2018 in five theaters it went Mm -hmm. wider the next week um Mm -hmm. but its widest release was 138 theaters
0: yeah which is why i had a weekend to see it it was a limited engagement and when they said limited they meant fucking limited
1: i know i'm so conflicted with the ryan because hey i'm glad you know, they're not bankrupt anymore but sure they, they put out like some they have a decent turnout i think of, yeah. of genre films but like what happened here like what <laughs> <laughs> like what who who did this
0: yeah we we've had this conversation about a couple of medium to small distributors and there's just people who have really good movies but they cannot get them in front of an audience to save their fucking life and it's just like you're doing these films a disservice i mean i get that there's probably more money to just put them out on vod or physical media or something like that but this was a fun experience to see with people in the theater and you can't always say that about every genre film like this was a oh people are having a good time with this because the film is mostly fun
1: yeah i just one of those things where like i think it might have who can say right i'm just speculating but like i just think it would have done better had it come out in december of 2017 instead of Mm. 2018 But it didn't have a distributor. And I I get what they're thinking, right? Like, well, why would we release this at any time other than the holidays? But absolutely. Yeah, I digress. Yeah, but you've (sighs) lost a year of festival buzz at that point. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it winds up grossing a little over half a million domestically and a little over $100,000 internationally. So it has a worldwide (sighs) gross of about $674,000.
0: Oh, that sounds awful. The way that people talk about this movie, I have to assume it's made a bunch more money back on BOD and rentals and purchases.
1: I hope so. Or at the very least that having it on Shutter has put it on a lot of people's radar, especially now as we're moving into the holiday. I'm sorry, we're moving into it, as we're in the holiday season and mm-hmm. people will start looking for that more seasonal genre fare. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, review-wise, mostly positive. We've got a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 6.7 out of 10, uh, a 63 out of 100 on Metacritic, and Letterboxd users have given it a 6.2 out of 10. So, I mean, it's funny, you know, you come in here being like, oh, I feel bad, I don't, like, love this as much as everyone else, but I, the general consensus seems to be on par with you. I just think the people that really love this film are very vocal about it.
0: You know what, that could be it. And also, I think this movie does ultimately appeal more to obviously a genre audience
1: and mm. the people who like it in those circles seem to really
2: really like
1: it and look i'm not i'm not coming down on this at all because i got this is between a three and a half or four star film for me depending on which version or day it is right but uh It's also just one of those things where it's like, it's not often we get a a genre musical horror. And so when one comes along, you want to just grab onto it and be like, okay, this is it. This is it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Embrace it. Talk about it in the hopes that it even encourages other filmmakers. Hey, there is a potential audience for something like
1: this. Mm -hmm. Which unfortunately, I mean, musicals are kind of not successful right now, which is why I'm surprised we're getting three like big splashy musicals in like Color Purple and Mean Girls and... Oh, my God, there's another one. Well, oh, Wicked's <laughs> coming out next year, I guess. But <laughs> supposedly, yeah. Well, supposedly, we'll see. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like, what, what two years ago, it was In the Heights and West Side Story and Dear Evan mm-hmm. Hansen, all big flops. Yeah, yeah,
0: musicals, it's a hard sell.
1: Especially to a genre audience who, again, the majority of whom I feel like aren't big musical theater heads, although there are a subset of us who are into that.
0: Yeah, it. the Venn diagram is weird, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly but okay well let's what happens in this movie joe
0: all right so our story takes place in little haven scotland and we open with anna who was played as you said by ella hunt she is driving with her widower father tony played by mark benton as well as definitely not gay best friend john who was played by malcolm coming i say that because no offense to coming it shouldn't be i identify as gay he gives me huge gay vibes. Oh, he's so adorable. He's adorable. <laughs> Maybe it's more the gay best friend vibe that I'm getting from him because he has been firmly placed in the friend zone by Anna.
1: I will say, I do find his arc actually one of the most compelling of the film, especially, mm. I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but in the sure. moment where she tells him, like, you know, you're my best friend. Friend, Friend. John,
0: <laughs> emphasis, friend.
1: <laughs> emphasis on front (laughs) end exactly (laughs) it's it's a tough conversation to have to watch yeah but yeah, no, I, I love this actor. I, I can see, you know, maybe some homosexual mannerisms in his performance. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I'm just kind of like, well, that's also maybe the musical theaterness of it all. Although it could I say that, that I don't get queer vibes from the guy that plays Nick.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Listeners, let us know. Maybe it's also that I think John is cute. So I'm like, yeah. wouldn't it be nice if he was?
1: That, that could be it. But yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Yes.
0: <laughs> OK, so they're in the car. They're driving to school and they're listening to Christmas Means Nothing Without You until the radio interrupts the song with a news bulletin that confirms that the pandemic has been upgraded from a super flu to reanimating er, and it turns it off. <laughs>
1: That's very, um, again, that just reminds me of Dawn of the Dead, the Snyder remake, whenever yeah. like the the couple's just fucking in the shower as the news bulletin comes on.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I feel like zombie films and TV shows get a lot of mileage out of this is going to happen during your everyday life. You know, it's not a big momentous occasion like, oh, I'm a solicitor who's traveling to Transylvania to work with a right. certain count. like. Zombie texts seem to happen when we're just going about our daily lives, and then all of a sudden we're in the middle
1: of an apocalypse. Exactly. So even though we start to hear about it, which I think maybe Shaun of the Dead does something similar, where it's like there's so many so. there's so many hints about the apocalypse coming, but Shaun's just so oblivious to all of it, he's ignoring it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're too busy dealing with your regular life drama.
1: <laughs> this is not related to this particular movie, but I'll never forget. Um, I showed so my sister and I saw Shaun of the Dead in theaters, and we both like loved it. You know, I would have been okay. like, uh, fifteen. She was probably thirteen, and um, whatever. Uh, that Christmas we showed it to our parents and my grandmother, and mm. they hated it so <laughs> much. <Okay. laughs> um, they did not get the humor. Oh. And my grandmother was just like, what is that Dead movie you made me watch all those years ago? And I was like, Shaun of the Dead, one of the greatest horror comedies ever made. Yeah, that one. Uh Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Beloved classic, embraced by an entire generation of film lovers. Oh my
1: God, (laughs) my dad thought it was so stupid. (laughs) I mean, it is stupid, but stupid funny, like by design. But my my parents are very much not like they don't again, they don't like what they call quote unquote stupid humor. Like it's just stupid for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm on record as saying stupid humor is very difficult to execute well. And I think Shaun of the Dead is a prime example of how to do that super, super well.
1: Well, because also because, I mean, you know, as, as you've been on record again, saying, oh, you, know, you like that dry European British humor, which Shaun of the Dead has. But I think it <laughs> also has a nice hefty blending of more lowbrow American humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a best of both
0: worlds situation.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would argue Anna falls into that paradigm... Albeit to a lesser extent, yeah. you know we we are seeing a lot of jokes as we said that evoke Shaun of the Dead, but it has some pretty silly lowbrow humor in here as well. Like I'm thinking of the moment where the elderly zombie pees on top of uh, Steph.
1: Oh yeah, I mean there's even some fun. I, I kept saying editing, you know, not the Shaun of the Dead style editing, but it's like whenever um the uh she's trying to wake the snowman zombie up, and then it mm-hmm. it, it you know attacks her. And she just immediately just like whacks it with her backpack. Yes, <laughs> so <that's> I. <laughs> I think the worst case scenario for a movie like this is you walk out going I just wish I, I, I'd rather see Shaun of the Dead right now and this right. doesn't make you think that at least me no it gives you
0: Shaun of the Dead vibes but you still like this movie and you can easily distinguish it from the other film there you go there we go okay so we're in the car Anna and her father have this loving but also slightly bickering relationship. He really wants her to come to the show that evening. She keeps having to remind him that she's working and therefore not available. And then John blabs that she's got that ticket anyway. And all of a sudden it comes out. Anna's not going to uni the next year. She's going to take a gap year. She's going to go to Australia. And Tony, her father, is
1: not having this but is a gap year common i mean i feel like a lot of kids take gap years i feel
0: like a lot of people do but he also works in a school and it's a quote-unquote i'm using scare quotes folks you can't see he works in this like menial labor position so he probably sees anna as this intelligent girl who she's got this life ahead of her don't throw it away taking a gap year and potentially disrupt it that's what a lot of parents think and it's like actually i'm 17 or 18 years old i don't really know what i want to do with my life i'd love to just travel and have some experiences
1: i'm not projecting at all (laughs) tell me about your life joe um so (laughs) because i I guess what yeah the parents fear is if you take a gap year then you just will never go to college and you say you better go now while you want it Well,
0: or if you're going on scholarship, the scholarship may not be there the next Mm. year or the candidate pool may be different. Like, there are some legitimate concerns, but... I just think it's really important for people to have a sense of what they honestly want to do, as opposed to what society expects them to do.
1: I mean, I guess with Anna, though, it's like, well, she's paying for the ticket. Like she's not asking her dad for this money and Mm -hmm. she's an adult because she's going to be graduating. So she can do whatever the fuck she wants.
0: (laughs) Indeed. But I mean, the widower aspect plays into that. And I kind of like that Anna in the Apocalypse doesn't make a big deal of it right you know mm-hmm. we address it it comes up a couple of times but we're not standing up on the soapbox and saying remember my dead mom i'm all that my dad has it's so important like we get it but the film doesn't feel the need to repeatedly remind us like don't forget the dead
1: mom no it, 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 it's it's dull uh, the exhibition is doled out sparingly which i appreciate but it doesn't mm-hmm. take away from the emotional climax they have at the end of the film
0: agreed yeah Okay, so we're still pretty tense when we arrive at school, we go our separate ways. Obviously, Anna's not very happy with John, but that's okay. This is where we get introduced to politically active queer student Steph, played by Sarah Swire. And she is on the phone trying to convince her partner, we don't know how she identifies in this moment, but we can hear that she's trying to convince this person to come for the holidays, but that doesn't seem like it's happening
1: no, no. We
0: will never see this person. <laughs> we will never see this person. I don't even think we get a name. We just learn that she has a girlfriend. Yeah,
1: it's just my girlfriend, yeah.
0: Which is fine. It's fine. <laughs> So, and the next person we're introduced to is Headmaster Arthur Savage, played by Paul Kay, and he is butting heads with Steph about a recent editorial. So, as I said, she is politically active. She wants to break stories about injustices, so she's very focused on the unhoused during the holiday period and so on. And then... Now that we've introduced our three main leads, we can start off with a
1: song, so... But, but wait, Joe, wait, 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 but wait, 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 Joe, wait. Um, what do you think of Vice Principal Savage?
2: <sighs> <Okay. laughs>
0: I understand the purpose of the character, and I actually think that uh, Kay is doing a good job, but I don't like this villain. I just, every time he shows up, I think it's really broad. It's just kind of too big too cartoony at mm-hmm. times and i don't like his motivation
1: well i mean this isn't the first time we've seen like oh right like teacher slash principal was the former like bullied kid at school who now gets off bully i mean look mm-hmm. dang cook in detention yeah but yeah i i like the way this guy looks like he looks like how i would imagine a rat would look like if you turn into a person <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the facial hair. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I don't have the same, like, aversion to this character as you do. I mm-hmm. it, it does feel like, again, because we're not dealing with a three-hour musical or a two-and-a-half-hour musical, so it does feel like maybe one element too many...
0: It's tricky, though, because we we need a villain other than just the threat of the zombies. Like you need Mm -hmm. something to kind of move the drama forward. Otherwise, people would just, yeah, you know, we would make our way into a building, we would reunite, things would be fine, we would hatch a plan or something. So we often see these characters, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like this one is particularly well rounded or well constructed. His heel turn to killer. Yeah happens way too quickly for me
1: well and that's also something that's kind of choppy in the different versions of the film because mm-hmm. there's a line in the longest cut where he says like oh did you know like zombies people don't turn to zombies if you kill them before they've been bit and that's mm-hmm. missing from all the other cuts of this movie
0: <laughs> yeah and for my money that's a good edit i mm-hmm. think that that's a smart line to remove because that just makes him an over-the-top villain
1: for sure um, but, okay, so then we got to get rid of him for a bit because we have to go, as you said, on this uh, big opening-ish number breakaway, mm-hmm. which is um, yeah. hell of a way to kick things off.
0: and the three singing are great we're getting good exposition character development at the same time about how they all yearn for something different than their current situation yeah so with john it's that he wants a relationship with anna anna obviously wants to get out of this small town and go on her journey to australia and then steph feels i mean we don't really have a great sense of what her struggle is but she feels displaced here you know it's very clear that she is not scottish Oh yes, she's (laughs) she's a fish out of water
1: yes i wrote in my notes yeah anna wants to go on a trip john wants to be with anna and stephanie wants people to care about the rest of the world
0: Ah, uh, that's a good way to put
1: it. Yeah. I didn't write down a ton of the lyrics, but it always... Um, so yeah, this is a really good I Want song.
2: Mm-hmm. And again,
1: everyone, if you're listening to this and you've never seen it because you have an aversion to musicals, like I, I don't know what it is about musicals that turns so many people off. I've talked to so <laughs> many of my friends who I love and respect and whatever, but I had some of them that are like, I just can't do musicals. It's just so mm-hmm. ridiculous when people start singing. I can't, I can't handle it. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. but... If you just listen to the lyrics and pretend like they're saying it instead of singing it, then it, all you have is a monologue. There you go.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. And several of the songs, like all of Headmaster Savage's songs are basically spoken word with a musical accompaniment. So yeah, some songs more than others aren't even that hard to do that with.
1: Yeah. But if you need a pick me up uh, on a depressed day, then mm. God damn, breakaway is a good song to listen to there
0: we go yeah feeling those
2: feels
0: (laughs) okay so after we have finished with breakaway we move into the auditorium or gymnasium where mr savage is more or less shitting on the forthcoming production so there's a christmas pageant that evening and he notes that four cast members have taken ill but also that uh, Anna's father has done a shitty job because he's the custodian, and then he also dodges Chekhov's swinging star on the stage.
1: (laughs) If I didn't know any better, Joe, I'd think the climax of the film was going to take place in this auditorium.
0: Hmm. I mean, you have to assume that it's probably going to take place at the school, although when we (laughs) introduce the bowling alley, it does also seem like a great venue to set a climax at. But yeah, I mean... We've got a Christmas show and it's a musical. So you have to assume <laughs> something's going to happen on this
1: stage. Just something. This is also it's like, you know, we have all this happening. This, and this is a big Shaun of the Dead moment here, too, is um, where Anna's standing in the hallway and we just hear a wheezing mm-hmm. sound behind her. And then it's yep. like, oh, re- like smash cut reveal. It's a girl with asthma. But yeah, I was like, OK, that's your Shaun of the Dead moment right there. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's it's a good gag. Yeah, it works. Yeah.
0: so uh we also meet hot jock nick here he is played by ben wiggins and we learn sort of covertly i think you could actually miss this if you're not paying close enough attention that he and anna have been hooking up so he proposes they hook up over the holiday break which tells you that they have already done so in the past
1: yeah and she is not having this because he did not treat her well no. We will learn more about that later. I think we get more character backstory on him than we do on John. And Steph. And Steph. <laughs> well, I guess it's because Anna and Nick are guessing, uh, the end game of the movie. <laughs>
0: which is the telling feature right but you wouldn't think that in the early parts of the film so it feels a little bit odd but i think again that's what makes this film distinct is that it doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go
1: no not at all and that's why like as much as i grieve spoiler alert everyone john's death um Mm -hmm. i was not expecting it to happen
0: no no and when it happens you're really upset because you think he's endgame absolutely yeah Okay, so we move into the cafeteria. We've we've actually already met Anna's best friend, Lisa, who is played by Marley Sue at this point.
1: Oh, I love her.
0: She's amazing. I love how she's sex positive, but she's not, like, slutty. She just has this boyfriend, Chris, who is played by Christopher Laveau, and they're very affectionate with one another. They like to be together, but... Yeah, there's they're something incredibly endearing, despite the fact that these two are essentially introduced doing gross
1: PDA. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they are not non-characters. They are characters in this film, but like their sole trait is they love each other and they like mm-hmm. Chris's grandmother. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, they do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they're so sweet. And so like, every time they're on screen, it's just like, oh, look at those yeah, two. <laughs> exactly.
0: They're very sweet. Yeah. Okay, so Stephanie asked Chris if he will come with her to film an expose of the unhousing problem that night because uh, she has previously seen him getting dressed down for shooting video that is inconsequential or non-substantial. So she's hoping that they can help each other out in that capacity because she wants to shed a light on this politically charged issue Mm -hmm. and he needs to do something that's a little bit more serious. So he agrees and meanwhile, we also see that Nick is being a total asshole and picking on John, picking on other, you know, quote unquote, lower class members of the high school. So <laughs>
1: so I get the impression that you are not a fan of Nick.
0: <laughs> oh, I I like Nick as... A character who is a piece of shit, and this actor knows exactly how to play him, so that we mm-hmm. like him, but also think he's a douche nozzle.
1: He has the most striking facial features. Like it's a oh, he has a he's f- gorgeous, very distinct looking face.
0: Yes, Ben Wiggins is fucking hot, <laughs> and I think he's just exceptionally well cast. Oh my god, yeah. when he
1: when he falsettos in his number, mm-hmm. oh man, Oh, he's got a great voice. Soaking wet in my panties. <laughs>
0: okay (laughs) there's a a holiday gift to all of our listeners (laughs) yep Uh, so anyway so John has an issue with Nick but Anna essentially cautions John hey don't go there because Nick is just going to beat the shit out of you all right so let's get to far and away everyone's favorite number in this movie hollywood ending which of course is inspired by a high school musical and features choreography that looks very similar to it
2: I'm thinking this is near Disney I'm way off script and losing the plot Things don't work out the way I'm not McConaughey Turning the charm on calling the shots If this was a movie Maybe she would be willing to share my world I'm starting to realise Sometimes the nice guys don't always get
1: Yeah, this is the most musically number of the whole movie. I, I actually do prefer Breakaways. I think this is a really fun okay. song, but I think it works better when it's paired with the choreography and the visuals.
0: Uh, okay, I can see that.
1: Yeah. But yeah, you know, they all want to get out of their stressful lives. They want to have their Hollywood ending, but they all know that that's not really something that is possible to have. Savage mm-hmm. also sings in here a little bit for some reason. <laughs> yeah yeah he's there he's
0: lurking on the periphery for most of the film (laughs) he's just really
1: jealous because these kids are singing about the hollywood ending that he knows he'll never get because he's stuck at the school for the rest of his life
0: sure Does he want my sympathy? Well, he's not going to get it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I like that if you watch the film for the first time, this song is just catchy. The choreography is exciting. You know, it's our first big cast number. But if you go back on a rewatch, listen to the lyrics more closely, it's not just, oh, we all have this thing and it's probably not going to happen. It's like, hey, the movie is cueing us. Most of these people are not going to survive this film to even get an ending.
2: Yeah,
1: that's, I think, something, and, you know, you and I not being the most musically inclined people, you know, we're not going to do this a lot of justice, but there's a lot of, um... There's a lot of layers to the lyrics in these songs and I think Hollywood ending is a really good one but also breakaway because we have a lot of counter melodies and Mm -hmm. just people sing a lot of different things at once so it's easy to miss some of these lyrics on a first time watch absolutely yeah
0: because you're just bopping along and
1: yeah and so for something like this where you're watching a lot of it and so i I can uh, as someone who has adhd i understand where you're like oh i'm looking at this so therefore my ears have turned off i get it Mm -hmm. but that's where (laughs) repeat viewings help and that's why listening to the soundtrack helps (laughs) there you
0: go you know what that's a great pitch for listening to the music independent of the
1: visuals well i'm curious are you someone who typically listens to a broadway like shows soundtrack before you ever see it okay so that is the
0: big thing was mm-hmm. the piece at the end i do listen to them in advance so that i'm prepared for the actual show
1: i'm the exact same way i like to listen to things ahead of time but my husband's the exact opposite he's like i don't think i could enjoy that music if i haven't seen it in context with the plot mm-hmm. of the show or the visuals or whatever so i get both sides of it but yeah, i'm like right. i want to be prepared <laughs> for the show
0: <laughs> that is so funny because my experience growing up was simply similar. similar to Ari's where I would actually like my mom had bought my sister and I Phantom, Les Mis, and I think Oklahoma and like maybe a couple of other ones. And we had never seen any of the shows. So we would just listen to these, but we didn't understand that there was action that happened in between the songs. So I didn't understand anything about the plot of Les Mis. And then when I went to see it the first time, I was shocked at some of the developments because like there there's a lot of gaps in between those songs where mm-hmm. important things are happening to the characters yeah
1: it's like unless you're watching like a sondheim show where like 90 percent of the of the of the yeah. play or the musical is like on the soundtrack, then you're gonna be a little bit lost. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I've talked about how before, you know, when I'm listening to the songs, um, like regular songs, it takes me several listens to lock down the lyrics, because what I'm listening to is the melody, the beat, right? Mm -hmm. Not the case with musical songs, because musical songs, nine times out of 10 are telling a story. And if you know kind of the basic premise, I can apply that context to it. So it's easier for me to listen and remember and memorize uh, musical lyrics than it mm. is, quote-unquote, regular song lyrics.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Which is part of the reason why they make it into your heavy karaoke rotation, right?
1: Exactly. And, like, you know, <laughs> pop maybe is a bit easier, too, because pop is a lot of, you know, like, like beats and it's stuff. It's a
0: lot of repetition, too. Yeah,
1: catchy beats and shit. But or, or, again, like, when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of oldies, because a lot of oldies are stories in their songs it's mm-hmm. i mean obviously like all songs are poetry but it's less abstract poetry i guess you know sure. like share dark lady tells a story about a woman whose man cheated on her and she kills him there you go that's my there song there we go yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so after Hollywood ending is done, Anna finds Steph locked out of her car, and she's feeling very alone. She reveals that her girlfriend won't pick up the phone. She also reveals that her parents are in Mexico. So as things are getting dire, Steph is very isolated here in Scotland. And Anna tries to comfort her, but Steph inadvertently ends up opening up this widower slash dead mom wound, where she kind of says, like, well, you got a mom (laughs) yeah yeah. and Anna basically bolts and she does walk right into a zombie but she's so upset
1: she doesn't even notice and we never we will never learn what happens to Steph's parents right nope okay (laughs) maybe that was gonna be a potential sequel
0: yeah there's a couple of things where we just need to know what's driving the characters but we don't actually have a lot of the context so even with Anna's mom I don't think we know how she died we just know she's dead
1: yeah she just she's just dead
0: She just did. She got a dead mom. (laughs) It's a very coming of age narrative trope.
1: Okay, but we're about to segue into one of my favorite songs slash non-songs on this soundtrack. <laughs> Are you referring to the
0: fish rap?
2: My favorite dish is fish, mother flipper and I eat it for the hell of it a nice bit of halibut that's not the only fish they got mackerel, mackerel. I could take more than a snackful. salmon with some jam and I could drink it by the tap
1: I absolutely am, my favorite <laughs> dish is fish, mother flipper and I eat it for the hell of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and these two are just absolutely inept dancers they are fumbling all over the stage and it prompts savage to say oh my god what the fuck are we doing with this
1: show these two characters and i'm using characters very loosely like these are mm-hmm. quotation marks um are th- two of the funniest things like, and th- they have no lines in this movie nope. they will come back later as zombies and it's mm-hmm. just like but this performance as they're like moving their penguin hula hoop costumes around is just yeah. it's so funny <laughs>
0: so funny so stupid it's one of those things where you understand implicitly how important a visual can be right because as you said these aren't characters we don't know these people's names i mean i'm sure we could look them up but who could care but it's so memorable because it's so dumb and odd at the same time
1: well and when it comes to choreography I i do wonder like if swire did choreograph this or if they were like Hey, just dance just get funny. Up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're not going to let you practice it. Just try to mirror each other. We're going to film for two minutes. Yeah,
1: but you can hear the song once and then go out there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So after they are done, this is when we move into it's that time of year. Lisa's number. She comes out looking like a million dollars. It's a very Santa baby esque number filled with it's not even subtext. It's fully laden with innuendo and double entendres, and it's, uh, it's Randy.
2: Let me tell you, Randy.
1: very oh, randy this is so uh, this is th- this killed in theaters when it played um, Oh, i bet but yeah i mean like again like w- the, i think the lyric that stands out you know she's singing to santa claus so come on over and unload your sack and then the final line mm-hmm. of the song is come on santa give it to me <laughs> <laughs> and of
0: course we've got to cut away to a parent who's like covering the ears of their child in the audience
1: <laughs> and then we have savage up top being like oh the moral degradation filth blah blah blah, mm-hmm. blah
0: hmm it's a pornographic salacious song do
1: you think the savageness of it all would maybe work better for you if he had like an army of parents with him um
0: i feel like i just i want him to be a little bit more real considering where we take him you know Mm -hmm. it kind of works in these early scenes but as the film progresses he just becomes more arch and more broad to me you know even your description oh he looks like a rodent that turned into a human and He seems less real than all the other characters in this film. And I think that's a problem for me.
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me, too, it's even um, once we get to the school at the end of the film, you know, he's already killed all the parents. We're (laughs) missing that transition. Yes, exactly. So it does feel a little bit like, oh, shit, like I got a little bit of whiplash here
0: hmm He he went from a comedic foil to a proper villain who was actively killing people, yeah. but it happened seemingly in the blink of an eye. It's actually several days in the course of the film, but the film doesn't pace it well.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I, God, what's the timeline for this film? I thought it was like two days.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
1: think it's about two and a half, three days. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so
0: we also are watching Anna and John at their bowling alley job. They're dealing with a bunch of drunks. It's very minimum wage, but it gets them time to just kind of hang out. And obviously, this is where Anna saved up enough money to buy her tickets. Yep, yep, yep. So after we kick out these drunk bowlers, we get to see that Anna is actually pretty good with a broom, so she can swing that thing, and she's kind of deadly accurate. John, not so much. He does end up hitting cleaner Miss Hinsman, who is played by Janet Lawson, with a shoe to the back of the head. Well,
1: that's not the worst thing that's going to happen to her in this movie.
0: Truly. Yeah. <laughs> and then outside they discuss their futures and they're making snow angels and it's all deeply romantic. But of course, you know that it's only one sided and Anna doesn't actually feel that way because she's busy
1: plotting her escape from a small town. I know you really got to feel bad for John. Like, luckily, he doesn't have that like creepy Randy from Scream vibe. But like, right. it's, it's, it's a little pathetic.
0: It's a little pathetic, and I think he knows it, but it is one of those, like, this is... A convention that we have seen a billion times but it works because who among us has not developed a crush on a friend that you know is probably not going to be reciprocated but you can't help it or you have had a friend do that to you
1: sure yeah sure absolutely been there been there been I get there it. probably both sides if we're being honest so. oh absolutely and these are teenagers you know i get it but it's just like oh sure. well yeah. it's just grow up a little bit but you won't get to
0: yeah exactly that right Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so the next morning this is where anna and john sing turning my life around and this is the big we're walking down the street with our headphones on not realizing that the world is ending around (laughs) us
1: you know I love this song, right? Because sure. what's one of my favorite things
2: mm-hmm. Shit
1: going on in the background that characters in the foreground do not notice. <laughs> Absolutely. I will say my issue with this
0: is mm-hmm. that it's a bit of a one joke musical number. Like mm-hmm. the song is good. And I really like how Hunt plays it. Like she's really committed to this bit, but I think the song is actually too long without knowing how to vary the visuals that are happening in the background. Uh-
1: Oh, okay, I don't necessarily. I guess because I ju- I just do like this song so much that I didn't think about how long it was, but it is a nearly four minute song.
0: Yeah, just that. Yeah. I think it helps by introducing John about partway through, and we do yeah. shift the location to the cemetery, so it is a little different. But yeah, for my money, maybe shave twenty twenty five seconds off. It's going to be better.
1: Is there any split screen in this between them? No. Okay, see, I think that might have actually helped with the, some of the visuals of it too. But right. again, it's just like, oh, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, is a, this is a lot of fun for me. But again, yeah, do I wish maybe there were some more um, uh, fun visuals going on in the editing side? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we do end it with the confrontation of a zombie in a snowman costume on the playground. And after, yes, whacking it with a bag a couple of times, Anna just lines it up and takes off its head with the seesaw.
1: And lest you thought that this movie was going to go light on the gore, rest assured, it is not.
0: (laughs) Although, interestingly enough, when I was looking at the movie censorship, site that distinguishes between the different cuts it seems like depending on the scene certain cuts have a bit more blood or less blood like sometimes you'll see anna's candy cane and it doesn't have a ton of blood and other times it's totally
1: covered and that's so bizarre to me i I really have to wonder i mean two cuts i get it three cuts what 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 are we doing here i know (laughs) <laughs> like <laughs> I, I need to know the reasoning. Like I, I know for the US version, like they cut the song that we'll talk about later, um, because they were doing it for Pacey to get back to the kids. Right. And I, I mm-hmm. get it, even though I like the cut song. But Oh, okay. But I couldn't find anything else as to why anything else in the film was cut down or swapped out or whatever.
0: Yeah, even like the number of times where we just used a different perspective Mm -hmm. on the exact same scene. So it's just like, if you're watching the European or the extended cut, if you're watching the theatrical US cut, oh, you're seeing stuff from this side and not this other side.
1: I wonder, again, just speculating here, I wonder if they were having trouble getting a distributor after Mm. Fantastic Fest. And so they were cutting different versions together to show to different potential buyers. That would not surprise
0: at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: I don't know. But no. um, but yeah, no, I, again, very fun. I understand your your one joke going on for four minutes complaint. Um, mm-hmm. I still find this delightful. Oh sure. Yeah. But yeah, even with the snowman though, there's just something so funny about Alejandre's line delivery. As soon as this guy falls, she's like immediately, Can you hear me? I'm a first (laughs) aider. I'm going to turn you over. She's just right into it. It's just so good. (laughs) And it's amusing,
0: right? Because they know enough to show us things before they show the characters so that we can anticipate their reactions. So in this case, we can see that there's a zombie in the snowman costume before she rolls him over and oh, then we yeah. get to wait to see how she reacts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's all just very very fun and light and frivolous despite being a zombie movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so at this point we finally realize, oh shit, things are going down, world not okay. Uh we can't get a cell signal though, and when we start to investigate when we walk sort of back into town, the town Christmas tree is on fire, and when we cut back to the school Things are relatively calm, but we're already starting to see the cracks in the social fabric. So, mr savage is asking everybody to be calm and patient he does make a note that the army base is next door so we can rely on them for protection but uh lisa is there with chris's grandmother and she is not
1: doing super well no i was gonna ask you though so there's a lot of um smash cuts used as comedy especially mm-hmm. specifically in these moments you know we have john's like maybe once it'll be a bad be bad across town smash cut to them standing in front of that christmas tree that's on fire yeah oh it's it's gonna be okay our parents are gonna know what to do smash cut to the parents not knowing what to do in the school (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: did these stop being funny for you uh no i actually kind of like this comedy i
0: think editing can facilitate a lot of that but i i'm a big fan of a smash cut
1: i am too (laughs) especially when it comes with the sound effect of a smash (laughs) exactly
0: yeah (laughs) so let's talk about this extended cut sequence so we get to see savage and tony argue about opening the doors and then they actually have a duet which i'm guessing on the title because it's not included on the wikipedia entry but it essentially boils down to which side are you
1: on that is the title of the song joe (laughs) okay
2: There are creatures on the outside trying to get in But our people are among them and they're dying and suffering There's a battle going on, somebody has to win But which side are you on?
1: Yeah I see, I actually really like this but uh, here's the thing this is generally what would be considered a weaker song in a musical I'm right. a sucker for like these kind of villainous duets like this Mhm It's not even a villainous thing but like I always think about that um always I go back to that uh oh god it's the it's the Hugh Jackman Zach Efron duet in The Greatest Showman where they're like in the uh, bar and they're using like bar like glasses to make music
2: Mm-hmm. Mhm oh! How you'd like to spend your days Whiskey misery and parties and play If I were
1: mixed up with you I'd be the talk of the town Disgraced and disowned Another
2: one of the clowns But you would finally live a little Finally laugh a little Just let me give you the freedom to dream And it'll wake you up And cure your aching Take your walls and start them breaking Now that's a deal that seems worth taking But I guess I'll leave that up to you.
1: No one likes that song, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how how I feel about this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's people who are often on opposite sides of some kind of debate and they're trying to convince the other person that they're wrong but it's illuminating for the audience to see okay well who falls in between and this is interesting because we don't really know much about who's within the room so it's very much a okay do we want to stay or do we want to go and it's telling us oh okay so Tony and his dad is kindly he's thoughtful he's thinking of other people and mr savage is just authoritarian like he keeps reminding people i'm the headmaster and you realize oh you are leaning too hard into that title
1: well and so but i i do think leaving this in here though again makes some of this stuff work better flow better in the narrative of the film but if you Mm -hmm. remove this scene you're removing okay cool we have parents warring at each other which would then lead to maybe a massacre yeah i feel like removing this like it makes the the transition from savage to 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 a murderer uh-huh. all the more jarring it's rocky for sure yeah yeah but I can
0: understand the cutting for pacing because it's a long time to go away from Anna and John, especially at a a fairly pivotal moment, right? Like we need
1: to get them reunited with Chris and Steph, which is what happens if you cut this song out. Yeah, exactly. But again, like, you know, leave this in and get another scene where the factions actually have a war and fight and then Savage kills everybody.
0: Hmm. Yeah. But whatever. So we're back at the bowling alley. This is where Anna and John discover Chris and Steph have been hiding out. We fire up the laptop so we can do some research.
1: Oh, the the modern equivalent of a microfiche sequence.
0: Exactly. Uh, And of course, we also use this as an opportunity. Again, you could argue this maybe goes on a little too long. So we mostly spend the time looking up information, but then we also spare quite amount of runtime on evac selfies where we get to see people posing with zombies on the other side of fences and this is where stuff says hmm, maybe we deserve to go extinct
1: we also learned that justin bieber is a zombie this joke mm-hmm. fell flat for me but yeah. i will say but john going TJ's fine she's fine <laughs> that worked for me
0: <laughs> yeah i did find the choice perplexing i wonder if this is the very specific time that the film is coming out in because you know we're referencing Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man which mm-hmm. of course was right around this time. Ryan Gosling felt like the unusual
1: pick for me. I mean that th- we were only doing that because of those Vine videos.
0: Right oh, okay that totally makes sense.
1: Because oh I didn't mention this but whenever McHenry died uh, Ryan Gosling did release a video of him eating cereal oh yeah, yeah. Aww. So it was really right <laughs> it's really sweet
0: <laughs> that is so sweet the other thing with me is considering we talk so much about high school musical in the interviews and in the production wouldn't it have made more sense to say zach
1: efron is oh, a zombie right there's no legal issues that if you're just like naming someone right like you're not like like th- that could have been fine right i
0: think so this this whole section between chris and john where they're talking about all of this really reminded me of zombie land to be honest
1: oh uh, i could see- god <laughs> can we talk about a zombie comedy without talking about things like Shaun of the dead and zombie land <laughs> the nope. two most popular zombie comedies <laughs> yeah pick your
0: side of the pond which one do you want to talk about
1: uh i mean the better one Shaun of the dead but
0: Oh, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, we like Zombieland. We covered Zombieland too, which is not as successful, but it's fine. there's a lot of good stuff in yeah. both of those films.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I love you just trying to say something nice to say.
0: <laughs> I don't want those rabid Zombieland fans to come after me this holiday season.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Zombieland fans.
0: Can you imagine? People who just hardcore zombie, where's my TV show? I want it now. Uh, well, we got it. No one watched it. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> All right. So the girls discover zombie Mrs. Hinsman in the bathroom, and Stephanie gets her first kill of the film
1: when she kills her with the toilet seat. I love the way we find her though, because while they're like having this heart to heart in the bathroom, we just hear a fart come from the stall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's your lowbrow humor mixed in with the emotional resonancy of, you know, oh, we left things on a bad note. We should apologize and so on. Fart joke.
1: But OK, but then we get this. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned how this bowling alley is like a really good setting for, for a set piece or a climactic set piece. And while we mm-hmm. don't stay over for the climax, we do get a really fun fight scene here. And yeah, a line of dialogue from Chris that I really appreciate is when John says, what do we do? And Chris yells, it's like the movies. Destroy the brain. Right. Uh I was like, yes, thank you. A zombie movie where people have seen zombie movies. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can actually acknowledge it and still work the tropes and still have interesting, innovative sequences.
1: Like you can really do both, folks. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, if, if you give me a zombie movie and the characters don't immediately start trying to kill, like shoot these things in the head or blow mm-hmm. their heads off, like that's a no, 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 no. Oh man,
0: I know I have shit on that Black Summer TV show, but there is a sequence where it takes like five people to take down a zombie, and it's because they're whacking it in the back with a brick. Like the back, Trace.
1: <laughs> Joe, I can't even comment on that I, right I can't.
0: Now. <laughs> it was baffling. <laughs> anyway, we're doing all the right things here, and we're doing the thing that I fucking love, Trace, where we are using available weapons so we have got bowling balls brooms spatulas as well as bowling pins and
1: whatever the machine is that fixes the bowling pins truly yes i do love a good decapitation yeah these are all really fun the, and that's the thing like you know the, the there's plenty of gore in this movie but when they do when they did spend the money on practical effects it mm-hmm. looks like it because the bowling balls that, great. Cr- that crush this one zombie's head is uh, ugh, it looks so good it looks, it looks so good
0: great mm-hmm. yes love it this i would argue is also where things are going to start to
1: get dark so this is a transition point Okay, so um, can you guess what my least favorite song is in this musical? <laughs> is it Human Voice,
0: the melancholy ode to technology and human connection?
1: It is. I know a lot of people that like this musical, like, love this song. This mm-hmm. is inherently a me thing. Right. This is the slowest song in this musical, and I find it kind of boring.
2: I need a few for- minutes
0: Yeah, I do side more with other folks. I think this is lovely, but I understand what you mean because we're going from high octane action sequence that's adrenaline infused to, oh, let's wallow in our feelings and just get really despondent for sure um
1: yeah it's just like i think this might be a song that i like more listening like on its own mm-hmm. as opposed to like in this movie
0: you know what i think that's also a fair observation because some mm-hmm. of these things maybe just work better as a standalone piece as opposed to oh at this point in the film that's not what i want
1: yeah i mean luckily like a lot of these songs have like they they sound like they come from the same soundtrack it's not very jarring mm-hmm. where it's like oh this song is one type of genre this song is another type of genre and blah, yes. blah, blah 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 but this one is the most distinctive being like the most different from all the rest yeah well, i would say savages but yes <laughs> oh well savage feels the most like a musical theater villain number truly yeah no, but but that that's why i like it
0: <laughs> give that song to jeremy irons as scar in Absolutely. the lion king and it's the same fucking song
1: <laughs> yeah there were parts in that song where I, i'm i glad i had subtitles on because i couldn't always understand what he was saying because he's, he's just, it, it's the way of the song like you're speaking very fast but mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah yep one of those <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that's challenging about this part in the film is that it's like the end of the world like before it was kind of funny because we were watching comedy happening behind Mm -hmm. anna here we're actually just seeing nighttime shots of like explosions around town and it feels very apocalyptic yeah like you the, know, the, the, obviously so
1: The were uh, <laughs> you don't say joe <laughs> it's just more like
0: I've, I've seen dystopian films that feature this kind of visual iconography and it's upsetting
1: yeah no yeah I mean, uh, the, uh, the, there's a good shot of them all just staring outside the window of the uh, bowling alley as you can just see the bombs like in, in the reflection mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I get it. Um, But yeah, as you said, this is when we are moving into the more somber portion of the film. I guess somber half of the film.
0: Yeah. Although as we say that, you know, okay, so the night passes, we wake up in the morning in the ball pit. And this is where Chris proposes what is either the best or the stupidest idea ever, which is that we're going to use this inflatable ball pit to travel to the school so we can find our loved ones and get to Steph's car.
1: Yeah, so they flip it upside down. They all hide under it. And So basically, whenever they're like about to get attacked, they just, you know, lower the, the thing to the ground.
0: hmm. What do you think of this plan? Does it make sense to you? It's okay,
1: right? It's fine. Yeah, I mean, clearly the zombies are really stupid. They're not following them. Um, Right. I just, the visual of like this upside down inflatable ball pit with feet walking down the street Mm -hmm. is so funny.
0: (laughs) I really like it when they do have to hit the deck. I don't know. It almost looks like an animal, like a gopher ducking its head back into the ground or something. Yes, (laughs) it's amusing for sure. And you know, we get some piss play in here, as you
1: already alluded Mm -hmm. to earlier. (laughs) I mean, you make it sound sexy. It's not sexy. It's not. Yeah. (laughs) Although it really bothered me because they were like, "Oh, a zombie's pissing on your face," and I was like, "That's the back of her head, not her Mm. face." But okay.
0: Well, and Anna is correct in saying yes, it's warm, but there's also a layer of plastic between the two of you, so you're fine.
1: Well, she's not the one getting peed on. So, <laughs>
0: fair, fair, yeah. So this is when Nick shows up to save them. He's there with a group of idiot friends, and we get this musical number, "A Soldier at War." Ooh, yeah. the ladies, why don't you get behind me? Yeah.
2: Lie. The streets are chaos and the outlook is dire. Time for a hero to step into the fire. The world's a jumble and we're close to extinction. This is my moment and I'll fight with distinction.
1: I love this song. Of course you do. Yeah. It's, it's a great song. His <laughs> vocal range is astounding. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just let... Lip- I haven't been reading the lyrics this song, but let me just read the lyrics for this oh, one. okay. Dear God, I was so worried you were going to try to sing this. No, I will not sing this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Rule one, stay focused. Keep your concentration. Rule two, have fun and use your imagination. No time for weakness when the undead are waiting. Tool up, get out there, and start decapitating. I love a good rhyme. (laughs) Well,
0: I think the wordplay on this song in particular is really fun. And for me, the choreography here is really working in tandem with the lyrics. So it's not particularly showy, but we do have these grocery store kind of battle sequences. Mm -hmm. They've decked up in what look like sporting gear. That they've looted, as we allude to. Like this just tells me everything I need to know about Nick and how he approaches a situation like this. He's so boastful. And I love that we end on this victorious pose that Anna and her friends don't acknowledge. They just walk by.
1: Yeah. It's it's not a dancing number. Like there is choreography here, but it's it's dance choreography mixed with fight choreography, which I think really I, I think that makes it one of the more successfully choreographed numbers in the film. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So we cut back to the school, and this is where the cracks that we were observing before have turned into full-blown fissures. Mr. Savage wants everybody to stay in the school. Other people are preparing to go. So even though they say, you should come with us, you have a use here, like we need someone like you, he wants them to stay on his quite literal turf. He wants them to stay in the school because that's where his authority is. Mm-hmm.
1: Because that's the only way he's important
0: say i'm not gonna lie i think you could have put the musical number here yeah. and it would have been better served
1: and then have maybe the, the the crescendo the climax of the song be when he kills his first human sure yeah yeah and then bam i mean made. there we just fixed it <laughs> yeah why didn't we, they do it <laughs> we just let's edit another cut in. <laughs> oh my
0: god the horror cut make it happen sure okay so uh this is where john notes that anna can't possibly leave anymore because so many people have died isn't it important for her to stay with the people that care the most about her and this is where we get the you're my best
1: friend Friend. i mean like (laughs) and she makes it very clear to the point where if he didn't get it he would be an idiot Well, and I like the fact
0: that we don't belabor this point either. He gets it as soon as she says it, and we don't need to address it again. But then when he dies, you know, we can see how much he meant to her and all this kind of stuff. Like, again, the film is really good at saying, here's what you need to know. We trust that you are going to understand how to feel emotionally later.
1: Well, I think, too, what I like about this, you know, it's not like she's like, oh, I'm going to make this awkward. Like, sorry, we're just friends. We can't be friends anymore because Mm -hmm. you're making this weird. The ball is in his court. Like, she makes it very clear. Look, this is how I feel. And, like, I can feel, me, Trace, can feel Mm -hmm. as bad for John as I want. Be like, oh, I just wish she would like him. But that's not fair. She doesn't like him (laughs) in that way. But she's still absolutely willing to be his friend, which I do appreciate.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, like, if this was normal circumstances, he might need to take a little bit, go and lick his wounds, come back and realize what's most important is having the friendship with her. But, you know, condensed timeline, zombie apocalypse, we don't have that option, and he just has to accept it.
1: Yeah, and then die. And then die, yeah. Well, So what, what do we think about this Christmas tree emporium set piece? Oh my god,
0: I didn't love this the first time I saw it in theaters, because... Mm-hmm. It felt awkwardly positioned in the narrative. Like we're going from this really heartfelt, difficult, emotional moment to, okay, we're now doing not the best lit Mm -hmm. set piece. Like we've got Christmas lights in these trees, but sometimes it's really hard to see when zombies are coming out of these trees. And now I recognize, I think it is that, but it's also slightly intentionally so like, we're covering up her smaller budget, but also we're trying to amp up the tension. Like this is actually a really effective action set piece for me.
1: Yeah. I think, I think for me, when it comes to like zombie movie in blank, you know, whatever setting, you know, Dawn of the mm-hmm. Dead is so cool. Cause like, Oh, like zombies in a mall. Holy shit. Yeah. Who would have thought? So I like that we're doing it here, but yeah, I don't think we take full advantage of the the possible scenarios we could have had.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What ends up being like, yeah, basically a chase scene where we just kind of get out of here. We we don't spend a lot of time focusing on the actual Christmas tree emporium of it all outside of the fact that there are things hiding in the trees.
0: Yeah, they're basically just there for cover, but this could be magazine racks. This could be somewhere in the school. It just so happens to be a mall tree lot. (laughs) (laughs)
1: truthfully i i I had to look it up it is called a christmas tree emporium (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: but yeah i mean this is all fine you know it's a big action set piece they run they chase people Um, all of nick's friends get killed here
0: yeah and of course none of that matters because we
1: didn't know any of them to begin with no they were chorus boys
0: We do also realize that Chris is very attached to his phone because it's the only record that he has of Lisa and his grandmother. So he's very protective of it. There is apparently an insert shot or a closer shot of his phone battery nearly being dead in one of the other cuts. Okay. So that cues you that it will become an issue later in the film, which, of course, is what ultimately gets him and Lisa killed.
1: Uh, yeah. Also, saddest death in the movie. But yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> as soon as you said it earlier, we all know. You who knew. We were talking to you. <laughs> Okay, so uh, there's been a recurring joke that Anna cannot remember who all of the reindeers are because it's a Christmas movie. So John realizes, oh, let me list them all for you here. And then he makes his final declaration, stretches out his arms, and that's when he
1: gets bitten. I think the way this is framed, though, is really, really, really good. Because I feel like, I feel like you think something's coming. Because you know, after a big, like, action-heavy set piece, and then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're kind of like, get get, get We're it. done. Barons, yeah, yeah, we can take a reprieve. Yeah, but you know it's that's never how it works out. Like you should never (laughs) assume you're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the way this is shot, because we uh, we're just on John, but then the camera kind of moves to the side as his arm goes out. And then, yeah, just right there. All of a sudden that Mm -hmm. zombies right there, biting a chunk out of his hand.
0: Yeah. And of course he and Anna immediately understand what this means. So we retreat briefly and then, He plays the knight in shining armor. So he grabs her in an embrace and he uses his body to shield them so they can get through this first horde of zombies. And then he essentially martyrs himself to save the woman he loves so that she can go and get to her dad.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And then, yeah, I mean, what? Enter big final school set piece?
0: Uh oh! Actually, I did want to make one other note. So there's oh. a pretty significant deviation here. So Anna goes on a a bit of a rampage where she just kills most of these zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the cut that I watched, so the shorter cut, there is no Clement Clark Moore's "A Visit from Saint Nicholas" that accompanies this. It's just an action uh, set piece.
1: Okay. Oh, and there's more slow motion in that in the, mine too.
0: Yes, yeah. So you're getting slow motion with the poem being read. Me, just action.
1: That's interesting. I, so wait, did you watch both like of these scenes? You watched both versions? I did, yeah. B- did one stick out as better to you? Uh... I was almost more perplexed with the poem. It Mm -hmm. does
0: work, but it feels a little jarring because part of me was trying to figure out who was reading it.
1: (laughs) It's just like a song. It's a soundtrack.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like an omniscient (laughs) god narrator (laughs) all of a sudden shows up to read the poem and then disappears again. (laughs) Because I
1: like the slow motion here, but I I, I do too. (sighs) Um, but just because, I mean, she's pissed off. She's wanting to kill all these things. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if it works better for you uh, with the non slow motion.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it's effective both ways.
1: Different, similar effects.
0: There we go okay so the survivors arrive at the unlocked school which is notable because earlier we did see mr savage open the door during the christmas pageant and there was blood on the door but it seemed like he had shut it and kind of locked it back up again so the fact that the door is just open is not a good sign (laughs) neither is the fact that he is sitting inside casually eating a christmas dinner
1: that is not human flesh (laughs) i know we don't go there in this movie and i'm kind of like i mean might as well
0: (sighs) i mean he is such a caricature in some ways i could believe it if we just saw him eating a hand or something but also gross
1: yeah but uh, so he basically tricks them locks them in with all the parent zombies
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and even blows a whistle and then that's where we get nothing's gonna stop me now
2: Shut up, all you idiots. You little shits should listen to me. Did I fail to mention your attention's now obligatory? How I do adore having the floor
0: to tell you what's on my mind. I've become
2: the man I always planned precisely at the right
1: time. So I do like this one. I'm assuming you're not the song's biggest fan i mean it's just
0: because of the character so i i like the staging of it you know him being so wild with desire to watch these students who he hates and resents i love him climbing up and grabbing hold of the mesh and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think i don't know i just feel like you know I'm going to use Disney films as a reference, and this monitor, sure. like, I feel like Disney films specifically are doing so bad with their villains, they're, because they're so afraid to make an actually like despicable villain, mm-hmm. and because of that, we're also not getting any good villain songs, like, Ew. we have very few good villain songs to come out of this, and so I think watching this, I'm like, oh, here's one. Here we go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I guess the other thing with
0: this is that it offers us a certain amount of clarity about how he feels and why he's doing this, but <laughs> I don't find it wholly satisfying
1: what for it to as an explanation for his motivation
0: that and it just you know i kind of knew that he already resented them you know we've seen enough dickish principles over the course of film history that we can spot a person who's unhappy at their job and would probably love to get a little bit of revenge on them
1: i mean again it's a thing where i wish we could have seen this transition because the whole thing is you know nothing's gonna stop me now meaning like oh all these like id related things he wanted to do to these kids and parents he can now Mm -hmm. do because the world is over so i get that yeah but this isn't his transition the transition is already happened off screen yeah yeah
0: and that's the thing right it needs to happen on screen so that we can follow it and feel like it happens
1: organically sure i get that i get that yeah
0: okay so the group ends up managing to get out of this trap but they are separated so we have chris and steph who go off separately they discover lisa and also gran who has unfortunately succumbed to her heart injuries
1: but she did not turn correct she just died
0: she did not and this is one of those things where in that song or like before the song where if you know that dead people don't turn then this is just confirmation and if you don't get that line from savage then this is your first evidence oh okay so it's not the way zombies work in this world is not if you die you come back
1: there was also so i, I did look at that list of the, the differences between the versions and there are some like close-ups of zombie mm-hmm. kills that are used in one scene in one version right and then used in a different scene in another version so like oh they keep God. the shot they just put right. it in a different scene that is wild okay right <laughs>
0: <laughs> the power of editing mm. Okay. So Anna, meanwhile, is off with Nick. And this is where we get a bit more about their backstory. So she tells him that she's not upset that he told people that they had sex, because that's what he thinks she's been mad at him this whole time about. And it's actually that they spent this night having these really great conversations about their future, where they were open and candid, and they kind of revealed something about themselves and their desires. And then he treated her like it didn't matter, it didn't happen, and then they broke up. So she's pissed off that she was vulnerable, and then he didn't care
1: enough. Yeah. And, you know, that's not as bad as I was expecting, based on the way Mm -hmm. she was reacting. Not not to say her reactions are unwarranted, I was expecting something worse. So... I think that this is a deliberate setup for the end of the film, because we need to not hate Nick. Otherwise, the end of the film doesn't work. And it does work for me, because I do wind up finding him kind of endearing. And it's not just Uh because of his sappy backstory, which, you know there well,
0: that's also what we're getting right now so yeah <laughs> he, this is where he in turn reveals oh okay you want emotional vulnerability let me tell you about my dad who i have a very difficult relationship with because he is this army guy he was bitten and he made nick kill him before yeah. he turned into a zombie so basically nick killed his father
1: yeah oh right because oh uh, uh, how do you follow that line right where it's like if someone's bit and they say kill me do you still think you're committing murder?
0: Ooh, it's kind of like a mercy kill like a euthanasia so it's still murder then still technically murder
1: it, it's a technicality
0: <laughs> here's the thing when i watched this movie and john sacrifices himself back at the tree Emporium slash mall whatever yeah they let him get dragged away Ooh. and eaten to death yeah and yeah. i always think you couldn't even mercy kill him there? Like you couldn't throw something harpoon style and just end it
1: for him. <laughs> or just like have him like just like run away and hide somewhere and just turn. Like, yeah, I I, I think they even show his intestines getting pulled out. It's rough. But yeah. like, you
0: know, there's a, a musical number near the end where we actually get to see Anna's dad looking at a picture of her on his phone and we see John reanimating as a zombie. And I just think, oh, wow, you could have put him down so he didn't have to go through that. Yeah. Instead, no. <laughs> you let him turn into a zombie. Yeah, they didn't really care.
2: Anna. Anna. <laughs> God damn
0: it. <laughs> I mean, I know you didn't love him, but Jesus Christ, he was your friend. He was your
1: best friend. She did get really upset and kill a bunch of zombies, though, in that slow motion sometimes sequence.
0: This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so while this has been happening, Steph has managed to break into Savage's office so that she can get her keys from the confiscated box. I like the joke with the dildo because... Or sorry, is it a vibrator? It's a vibrator.
1: A personal massager.
0: (laughs) Yes, just that. (laughs) Uh, It's fun because so much of this has all been very dark for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So we also come back out to find that Lisa and Chris have been stranded behind the TV but the zombies are mesmerized by the footage that he is showing from his phone but unfortunately then the phone's battery dies and they get eaten
1: uh but there's something too so they, well, they get bit and yeah. then they just accept their fate and mm-hmm. like slow dance until they turn it's
0: kind of adorable it's deeply romantic i also really like the moment between steph and chris where they wave each other goodbye
1: well also because um swire is doing some real good face acting here uh so once they are looking at lisa and chris kind of accepting their fate, they do some really good lip quivering action here
0: yeah as much as i think people heap a lot of praise on to hunt because you know it's the lead of the film the lead of the movie (laughs) I actually think that Swire is my favorite actor of the bunch because even though we don't know a ton about Steph, they get these, I don't know, these peaks and valleys and they seem very, very capable of negotiating Everything that the movie throws at them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will reiterate my earlier statement. Swire is the best singer of this bunch. And maybe it's because they have more range in the, the lyrics they are given compared to mm. Ella Hunt. And, and here, Ella Hunt is a really good singer. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just that again, you listen to Swire's portions of Breakaway and um, Human Voice, and mm. they get so many, like, just belty yeah. good singing moments. Urgh. Yeah, just uh, say
0: that you don't like people with uh, accents. That's fine. You can just yeah, say that's that
1: it. way. I only like Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very xenophobic, actually.
0: <laughs> and also, Swire is Canadian. So, haha. <laughs> I like North Americans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Lisa, Chris, R.I.P., we love you too. Even though it's so wild to me because they're kind of not characters but i have so much invested in them by this point in the film i think it's also because i realize, oh we are just killing anyone anyone is fair game at this point
1: yeah there's only three survivors at the end of this movie
0: Mm -hmm. but i mean at the beginning of the film you would have thought oh yeah okay it's gonna be anna it's gonna be john it's probably gonna be lisa chris will probably lose yeah that's not how it turns out
1: Yeah, but but that's what I love, though. Again, like the juxtaposition of like, again, a zombie horror movie with a fun comedy musical. Like it's very, it disarms you in a way that I do think makes the second half more effective. Because again, you just don't think the movie's going to go there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but I just love the light and bubbly first half. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) If basically were that girl from Mean Girls where, you know, I just want everyone to be happy. and (laughs) Things to go back the, the way that they were. And guess what? And in the Apocalypse doesn't even go here. Sunshine and rainbows. There we go, yeah. Okay, so we still have to contend with Mr. Savage. It's revealed that he has Anna's dad, Tony, bound on stage and this is where we get a headmaster versus student duel with Give Them a Show.
2: I'll take my cue to go stand near the spotlights glow and give them one hell of a show. There are some things in life that you just can't control. But I'm ready to fight, I was born for this role. I will do all I can before I go to my grave. There is good on this earth and it's worth trying to save. Will Miss Shepherd, you're so wrong, you don't have a clue. The purge on this species is long overdue. All humanity's broken. Our story is done. As the set catches fire, as well have some fun. So raise the, the curtain, hit the light, strike up the band for the final night. And if. Yes,
1: so I like this song. I it That's just fine. needs a bigger finale.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Like if the whole film has been building to this moment, right, where the two of them finally get to face each other, and then it just. It has too much of a whimper finale as opposed yeah, yeah. to a
1: big yes. Okay. And I'm not even talking action wise, just musically and lyrically, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not an it just it just kind of flat not flat lines, but it plateaus and doesn't really go anywhere.
0: Yeah. Again, this also feels a little drawn out to me, you know, we have to free Tony and then we have this fake out where we think we can trust Savage, but then we don't and we release the star and he gets knocked out. And I think if all of this could have been encapsulated within the song it would have played better because then we could have knocked him into the crowd and that could have been the end, like the big crescendo.
1: Yeah, you know, we just have like that dialogue break in, in, in the song where we can mm-hmm. like do like, a, and, and, then cont- and then pick the song back up. Yes. 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 Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We mm-hmm. fucking fixed it again. <laughs> I mean, there's like you know we're getting a lot of fight scenes here. There's there's a I was gonna say a good overhead shot. There's an overhead shot when she hooks the candy cane around one of the zombies' heads and like you know Mm -hmm. she's swinging around because she's standing on a circle that's on the ground that I think is part of a basketball court. Maybe I don't really know. But we don't play sports. What? Uh, But but she's off center, so the overhead shot doesn't look as good because Mm. she's also kind of swinging around wildly in this circle.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, again, that seems like one of those, oh, we only had a certain amount of time to coordinate yeah.
1: this, but also overhead shots are more challenging to execute and so on. Yeah, I mean, it is a thing where again, I don't know the budget for this movie. I imagine it was a pretty low budget. And I think for what, what little money I assume they had, this does mm-hmm. look really, and again, go back and look at that original short film to see the jump in quality. Yeah. But I would love to see what this could have looked like with like a much bigger budget
0: it's interesting that you say that because i don't entirely disagree but also what we are seeing i think is pretty solid so oh yeah i'm I'm agreeing with you i guess i'm thinking back to one of my main complaints when we get a zombie film is whether there's enough zombies and i think this film negotiates that pretty well so even in this scene where the odds are meant to be stacked against them in the tree emporium like not the darkened tree emporium, but after John gets bitten mm-hmm. and Anna goes wild, you know, there's probably only about what do you think 12 to 15 extras there but they frame it in such a way that the odds look very daunting for our heroes oh
1: no and for sure and let me clarify that for a second
0: oh i'm i'm not suggesting you were saying this was a problem you're saying this could have been even bigger and better with a little more money
1: well i I think it's one of those things where just like we said we we were it's like oh we have this one chance to get this done and move on right. whereas if they had a bigger budget they could have taken the time to make this look better so uh, get her in the center of the fucking circle just get, keep her there just <laughs> fucking keep her there
0: <laughs> <laughs> all this to say savage gets knocked into this horde it's basically a mosh pit he goes down billing out and everything seems okay because Anna has finally been reunited with her dad. It seems like it's going to be fine. Oops, he's been bitten on the shin.
1: Yeah, shocker there. No one saw that coming. Um, that, God, mm-hmm. that sounded really sarcastic. <laughs> it's really sad. <laughs> it is very sad, but it's also quite expected. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, if we as often as this film kind of subverts your expectations, it still does fall into the zombie genre trope, which mm-hmm. not even a critique on my end. Like, it's just like, you know, okay, cool. Yeah, dad dies, obviously.
0: In some ways, it's more difficult than other films that just do paint-by-numbers storytelling because then you're never surprised. Whereas in Anna, there's a bunch of times where you are surprised and it makes the paint-by-numbers parts feel that much more obvious. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would agree with you there. But nevertheless, though, they're like... The hit-miss, as you said... Is very good for hits. Still. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that their final scene together, like it does ring very true. Like I do yeah. feel for them as they have to be like, bye, never gonna see you again.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. She's just gotta go and leave him there again to presumably just die and turn into a zombie.
1: That's hey okay, hey. Okay. I mean, I know it's like a really <laughs> serious question, but like honestly, if you if you had been bit, you know you're gonna turn into a zombie. Would mm-hmm. you be able to like just kill yourself before you turn?
0: I would probably go up to the roof and maybe take a plunge oh, I, don't I don't know i mean i yeah. say that i'm totally a coward so
1: oh no i, I i'm a coward too i would just say I, I, I would have one of my friends shoot me in the face probably i just think that would be the mm. best least painful way to go i feel
0: right like. actually you know what highlighted this movie no fucking guns no guns but also because scotland Oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> If you redo this in America, what guns are we going to end up with, Trace? <laughs>
1: a lot of guns. A, lot of, just a lot of guns shooting each other in the face all the time.
0: It's called Zombie Land.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Double tap.
0: There we go. Yeah. It's one of the rules. <laughs> we have a Patreon episode on it. Go listen
1: to it. It's also the title of the second movie, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay,
0: so coming in at the end, outside in the parking lot, the odds again do not look good. Anna and Nick are back to back. They sing I Still Believe.
2: Oh, where is the life that once was mine? But while there's hope, oh, while I still breathe, I will believe.
1: forgettable whatever no honestly as a movie ender it's not it's not enough the best one
0: (laughs) i mean in part because we're really supposed to fear that this is the end of them and it's a sadder slower song in that regard but this is also the end song and it's
2: yeah
1: well, uh,
0: we'll get a reprise of Hollywood ending but not yeah. really sung Right? we
1: should point out that the, the short film ends kind of similarly to where Anna walks out of a building and she's just ready to start bashing zombies and that's the end though like the movie the, yeah. the short ends with a bunch of zombies running up to her as she prepares to whack them so I guess though again like that's not how this ends because A she's got her cohort in Nick <laughs> and then who pulls up but Stephanie Steph. with boom saved your life <laughs>
0: yeah so we get in the car, but at this point, we have nothing left to say because we have been through the ringer, and also we have no idea where we're going. no, nope. and the movie ends on this uncertain you could argue unsatisfying note, but i would I personally would argue that this is very much in keeping with what the film has been telling us all along. Stop expecting your Hollywood ending.
1: Well, yeah, it's very much a coming of age tale. And so like, I mean, look, if you want to go deep with it, be like, yeah, this is a metaphor for becoming an adult, right? Like, where to next? We don't know.
0: Yeah. And then depending on which cut you get, you either get a final jump scare with a Santa zombie or nothing. And they just drive. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I get like a really bad Santa zombie jump scare.
1: Oh, that's a bummer. That's that's for American audiences.
0: Very much so. It, mm. <laughs> it felt like the American ending of The Descent.
1: Ah, of course it did. <laughs> like, oh, no,
0: my. don't just don't. It's fine. We Y'all it. just
1: trust us. I mean, a lot of us are stupid, but some of us Americans are, are, are media literate. <laughs>
0: Truly. Yes.
1: <laughs> but OK, that is Anna and the Apocalypse. Joe, final mm-hmm. thoughts. Is this now a five star holiday film for you? it is
0: not no i (laughs) here's the thing i like this film in much the same way that i talked about the short i think it's hella ambitious as you said it's low budget what they can accomplish is amazing i think all of these actors are very likable minus one that (laughs) i don't care for and that's fine that's Mm -hmm. my own thing sure this is fun I enjoyed rewatching this after a couple of years of not watching it. And I think the songs are really good, but this isn't something that I throw on every holiday season.
1: Yeah. I, um, well, I don't own it because that Blu-ray was expensive and, Oh,
0: Second Sight, I love you, but also, <laughs> can we get some like discounts on international shipping?
1: It's really, and we didn't get a regular like US Blu ray release for this movie, no. so um, Shudder is where it's at. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, I do really like this. This is uh, again, after going from four stars to three and a half to kind of back to a four, I'm like, yeah, it's just a really good time, yeah, and in the pantheon of zombie horror (laughs) musical christmas movies um it definitely stands out yeah it's totally at the top of that list Okay, everyone. Well, again, yeah, yeah, that has been Anna and the Apocalypse. But uh, before we announce what we're covering next week, uh, just some quick housekeeping before we close out. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers. Shoot us an email at horrorqueers at gmail.com. Find us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we've covered. Go to our YouTube channel to hear about our most anticipated horror films each month. If you want to chat with other listeners, please join our Facebook Horror Queers group. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you want more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. If you subscribe today, you will get 277 hours of Patreon content, including this month's new episodes on A Creature Was Stirring, When Evil Lurks, Leave the World Behind, It's a Wonderful Knife, and our audio commentary for the month will be on William Friedkin's original The Exorcist for its 50th anniversary sounds like some pretty
0: good stocking stuffers to me so yeah i mean (laughs) patreon is lovely because it does help to financially support us but also you know those ratings and reviews are very helpful and uh maybe you'll hear something with them next week oh yeah speaking of joe what are we are are we covering
1: something next week
0: so here's the peek behind the curtain folks download numbers traditionally drop after around thanksgiving and then also between christmas and new year so trace and i are going to take a little breather next week we're not going to cover a film but we will still have a new episode so we're going to wrap up the year in the way we usually do with some bloopers some reflections and we're also going to give you our top 15 horror films of
1: the year of the year big list big list for us
0: Indeed, yeah. And it maybe coincides with, like, something called The Hereditaries, which Mm -hmm. I think is your folks' chance to vote on the best films of the year in, like, 20-something categories. It's this really fun little thing that we do that all of you should vote in.
1: Yes, yes. So uh, be on the lookout on our socials for whenever we start sharing those links because we need your votes. Indeed, yeah. (laughs) But until next time, we can cross out Anna and the Apocalypse. Indeed, and cross out horror queers.